Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to a very special edition of the Rover Report podcast. Today, we've got what I would consider the definition of a cult hero. He played for the lads between 2005 and 2012. Like many Sunderland players who stayed longer than five years, he's got a promotion and a relegation to his name. He's also a former player of the year. Now, we have been trying to take the ball past him all morning. It's been to absolutely no avail. But how are you this morning, Nylon? I'm good, considering. Considering, yes. yes Heavy night last night, yeah? For some... For me, mediocre. Quiet. Good. Yeah. So we'll start off straight off the bat, right? Let's go back to the season you joined the club, 2005, which seems like yesterday, but how did the transfer come about and why Sunderland? Um, it actually came about quite simple. Um, I was My contract had run down and I was 24. So I knew I was ready for a change and it came between two clubs, which was um, Sunderland and West Ham. And the vibe came from Sunderland a lot stronger than West Ham so the decision was pretty clear really and then from that I made my decision and I took a plane ride up here met Mick McCarthy he gave me a little speech you know like listen lad if it's about the money then don't bloody bother <laughs> it's quite simple I was like alright Mick no, no worries and <laughs> not like I've come from Barcelona or anything like that but um, that it was quite a simple conversation and he sh- showed me around the club and from that I made my decision and I went to come. Obviously, you came from Gillingham, who were, I know we'd just been promoted and they were still in the division at that time. I can't remember if Gillingham got relegated. Yeah, they did, did, didn't they? So it was actually like two years gap. But how much of, um, because Mick McCarthy was quite good at bringing players like Danny Collins and Mm -hmm. yourself, like low low division players, Neil Collins players that are making them into like solid, should we say, championship players. Was that quite a big pull for you because you thought, you know, I'm in the premiership, he could turn me from a, a championship? to a Premier League defender with his coach? Um, no, it, I always was a strong believer that it, what I was doing was trying to get to that level anyway. So yeah. it wasn't so much intimidating as where that's what I was aiming for at some point in my career. So the step forward was, for me, it wasn't daunting. It was like, right, yeah, I'm here to obviously prove myself and get to the next level. So 
I was like looking forward to it. Everyone was asking me, what does it feel like to be at a massive club? I was like, you know, it feels right. It doesn't feel, yeah. you know, something overwhelming. It feels like what it's supposed to be. Now, I know you started the season as a second choice of Stephen Wright, yeah. um, but he gets injured in the first game against Charlton. Um, the thing about that, that season that I remember really clearly, obviously it was a poor season. Let's not beat around the bush with no, it. Definitely, yeah. But the first four or five games, I think we lost, but then that West Brom game we conceded in the last minute. So the question I wanted to ask, at what point did you feel it was going to be, shall we say, a difficult season? Um, I pretty much knew it was going to be a difficult season from the get-go. Yeah. You know, obviously I know the Premier League, if you're going to, you don't have to spend crazy, but you know, you have to get it quite medium, happy medium with in terms of your, your buying power. And I knew we weren't spending a lot. So it was going to be, you know, it was going to be a hard task. So... If anything, I knew it would either be we'd be overachieving or we're going to have to really roll our sleeves up here and, and, and fight. And every game, it wasn't like we was getting battered, but you could see that we need we was missing that lack of quality yeah. to, to create and sometimes even to obviously to keep to keep a clean sheet early doors. In a, in a sense, is a season like that, it's probably an obvious question, but is a season like that really character building? Is it almost like... In hindsight, that kind of season it gives you more of a benefit to your football career than you would expect. Oh, definitely, definitely helped me massively. As considering it was my first ever debut in the Premier League, on a personal note, it was character building because you obviously you had to try and stay in there and stay positive in what you're doing and and keep everything correct because we was we was losing every game, not not by much, but we was losing. So on that. And that that was a lot. To, that was a lot to take mentally. And then see, manager left as well. It was more like a kick in the teeth, as if we, you know, we knew we weren't good enough. And publicly, I think the media were <laughs> they weren't shy in letting the world know that we were having absolutely having one. So in that sense, it was more like just blank all that out, and you know, just try and make the most of it on a personal level. Even if you're losing, listen, like do whatever you can for yourself. And, and and don't become an embarrassment. I don't want to uh, concentrate on negative too much, but I have to mention it. My my first memory of Nyron Nosworthy, maybe not the best one, but a funny one. There's a few. Um, Middlesbrough away. <laughs> so you did something which I don't think, I think I would struggle to do. You put the ball out from a, a corner, uh, no, from the halfway line for a corner, sorry. And now the funniest part was the reaction from Mick McCarthy. Like, what did he actually say to you after that? You know, he actually didn't say anything. <laughs> he actually he gave me a preview. I think because we came we came away unscathed in that game. Yeah, he let me off. If obviously if they had scored from that, I, I believe I would have heard a lot from him. But it was one of those where I was thinking, yeah, composed. Don't worry. Just let's just kill it off. Give it back to the keeper. My left foot did not agree with what I <laughs> what I had in my mind, and then unfortunately I've like shin padded it off straight for a corner and put them on the attack. It was. Definitely, a, you know, I mean, an opener for my career for people to look at and think, what have we got here? With uh, with Mick McCarthy, I've heard so many good stories about him. And as, as a as a fan and as just of someone who likes football, Mick McCarthy's hilarious. Like, but as a manager and as a man, like, how did you find him? And is there any funny memories? Anything that particularly sticks out about Mick? Um, he's no, he's a top guy. You know, I think what you see is what you get. He's very honest, hardworking, good ef- good work ethic. And that's what he expected from his players. Also, because he's just brutally honest, and he's a he's a tough guy as well. You could you can obviously yeah. see. 
<clears throat> like from his career, what type of guy he was, and that came out in his preseasons in his training. And it, he generally he didn't try to be funny. He was just was funny in some of the things he said. On never forget, uh, I think we had a practice match, mind you. We we've been losing a lot of games. He's gone to put me in centre half, and I've gone to him. Yeah, that's centre half. That's not for me, mate. It's not. <laughs> that's not going to happen. I'm not comfortable there. Put me there. And I had an absolute nightmare. I think that I almost put myself out of the team, out of out of Sunderland by that practice match. I was trying to play off sides, couldn't get it right. I was all over the shop. And me and Ember, well, I didn't have an argument with him. I was just like, this is basically shit. It's not working <laughs> for me. And he was like, just fucking pass the ball. You know what? Like, just fucking pass the ball, Nogsy. I was like, I'm trying. It's just not happening. But that just... You know, when he's on manager got something in his head, he, he said to me, you've got all the character to play centre-half. Just fucking, why can't you do it? I just, I just couldn't understand. just didn't get it at that yeah. point in my career, unfortunately for him. But you did. Yeah, in the, in the end, I Things did. Things yeah. changed. Yeah. Um, I think the thing with Mick as well, the season as a whole was, it was a bit of a, well, it wasn't a bit of a disaster. It was a complete fucking mess. Yeah. Um, but I, I still feel like it was kind of unfair that Mick lost his job. I felt like, it was just like everyone says the same thing: lack of money, lack of quality. Definitely. Did the lads feel a bit unfair that Mick got sacked? Oh yeah, definitely. He didn't have a lot to work with. You think you signed to the probably toughest league in the world, and your your budget is very very small. We didn't really expand in terms of um, buying power at the top end to to get quality to obviously make a difference in the Premier League. So I thought it was very harsh. But like I said, with performances like that. You know who's always first to go it's, it's the management before the players yeah yeah true that's the way football is sometimes yeah. isn't it but what was quite impressive um kevin ball came in final eight games and obviously things were shit hit the fan by that point in terms of where we we're going to finish but mm. we got a draw against man united we actually won that game against fulham yeah. like how good was kevin ball at getting the players back up for basically eight meaningless games and making us show a bit of character uh he just took it straight to where it was like you're doing this for yourselves don't by any means be discouraged by obviously what's happened it, like these things happen in football but right now you you lot are playing for your futures and obviously you're representing the club so don't try and take your foot off the pedal just because it's been probably one of the worst seasons ever I mean go out there regardless of what the result will be but still fight for the for the badge for the club and for yourselves and think that's what everyone did because it had actually been that type of season there, there is nothing else you could do apart from yeah. fight for your pride and that's all I was doing you know what I mean for, put everything aside like pride first and obviously respect for yourself and what you've come to do as a footballer is to try and just show everyone that you you know what I mean you still you still want to win regardless of the the past results you've played in front of some really good goalkeepers um Craig Gordon being the one that sticks out in, in my mind Darren Ward great yeah. goalkeeper yeah. but also Kelvin Davis yeah. how, how do you feel about Kelvin how was it to play in front I of I think Uncle Kelvin he, he got a bad deal <laughs> Uncle Kelvin you know it, it was that season though you know it I was think, in his cool yeah career, I felt sorry him, for him yeah, yeah because he's actually a, he's a very very good goalkeeper he's obviously still in football now you can see that but it was just I think it was just he had the crows over him that season. <laughs> Nothing was going right for him, unfortunately. But in training, you could you could see exactly what he's capable of. But 
obviously transferring on the pitch was two different things. And I think that season for everyone was tough. And I think the last places, if the person in goal doesn't have a good one, that, that people are going to yeah, get like onto it. you. And I think that that didn't help. And with each game, it's not like we was coming up against like teams that were useless. It would be, a, you know, go from Liverpool to Arsenal. To It's just top quality. So although it looked like he's having a stinker, I think, the blame had to be taken with you know with the team yeah everything in typical football fashion changed within months mm. obviously you move into the second season as a club the chairman changes the ownership changes the manager changes but if my memory serves me right I don't think he was selected in the first few weeks for some reason we played Rory Delap at right back who for some reason we didn't work out could take a throw in at that point which was a bit of a shame um I think I've spoke to Niall before and he said when he first came in, he had a meeting and he pulled everyone in in alphabetical order. Uh, ben Anik yeah. was in first, said he wanted to leave, said the first three players wanted to leave. When he gets to N and he gets to Niall Nosworthy, how does the meeting go between yourself and him about, did you want to stay? Do you want to leave? Did you feel you had a future? Or Oh, no, I fully felt I had a future. The conversation in terms of where I was going never took place because I always knew I wasn't trying to go in here. I was trying to solidify my place. And I think it was... I think the only reason why I probably didn't start was because I was actually injured. Because ah, that pre okay. that that preseason I did well, and then I somehow managed to tear my pubic bone. I don't know. I've managed that one. I don't even know what then. that is. I, I didn't know until I did it. <laughs> I was absolutely struggling. I just fell awkwardly in a kind of like a split position on my knees, and literally the top here, I've overstretched, and I felt it. I've never felt that before, and that that wiped me out at the beginning of the season. So. I was watching games in frustration, knowing that I, there's nothing I could do. But, you know, everything happens for a reason. Took me time, come back, the changes happened. So I had to sort of prove myself on that note again and then just took it from there. Obviously, the season didn't start so well. <laughs> you, got, you got away with that. Yeah, I got away did. with that. Um, <laughs> but then Roy Keane walks in the door. So everyone knows that his reputation precedes him. Uh, everyone knows Keno, but as a footballer, Roy Keane's one of the best there ever was. Talk me through the day he walks in the door. <laughs> Pure silence and awe. Everyone's <laughs> like walking around whispering, shuffling because the big man's here. But um, no, it was a nice, it was a nice feeling. I think the anticipation of him coming, everyone felt the same thing, like a buzz that you knew something good's going to happen here. The way the club's moving forward, you could you could sense something good was going to happen and. I think as he's coming, everyone just just tried to tap into obviously what he was trying to bring to the table, and you know he he made these statements very clear from the get go, in terms of who he wanted or who was pushing in the way that he he, he liked, and that was it. What you see is what you get. You just kind of had to you had to just take it, take it, and I was I took it well. You know what I mean? I didn't shy away from anything. I just took it as new manager, a fresh. Fresh start, it's time to just prove yourself again and, and try and enjoy. You were telling me a story last night about uh, about Roy, so I couldn't miss it out. But can, can you mention the time that Roy made a child cry? A child? <laughs> I don't even think he, he I don't even think he realised. I was like private webcam at the back, obviously. We had, <laughs> lost, we had lost the game and we was at the airport flying back. And uh, it was an old, an old fella, and he's, I think it might either been his son or his um, grandson. And they were waiting patiently. You could see they were just waiting to obviously ask for Roy for a signature. And I was thinking, 
in my head, I don't think they're going to get any joy here, but we'll wait and see. And the old man's come over, like we was queuing up and the old man's come over and he's like, so Roy, can I, can I please get your um, signature? It'd be much appreciated. And he's just turned around bluntly and just gone, no. Like very abrupt, no. And I was like, yeah, and that's that then. But the persistence of the guy, he was like, all right, let me wait, maybe we'll carry on. So he's gone back to him and said, no, please, obviously it's, it's for, it's for my grandson. You know, he's here and it'd be much appreciated if you could, no. Very blunt. No, I said, no, that's it. And I leave it there. Turned back. So obviously, queue up, just kept it moving. I was like, he's, he's so harsh, but he's right in it. What can you say? And then finally, the geezers come back again for a third time. I was thinking, boy, it's either he's going to get explosive right or that, you know, the gaffer's going to give in and say, all right, look, yeah, have it, go away. Mate, told him to basically, no, I'm not signing it. Just leave it be. And the boy started like, tearing up and he's gone to, he's gone to the little boy. I basically, like, don't cry. What are you crying for? Like, you know, sometimes these things happen. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking, I'm thinking, this little kid just doesn't even get, he doesn't know what type of animal he's dealing with. But that just shows. It's just the, it's just the levels of the guy I thought, you know, he, in terms of getting pestered for, you know I mean? Your autograph of pictures, he must get it all the time, so... For him, it's a, it's a different kettle of fish. Obviously, me dealing with people, I wouldn't be so harsh. But for him, it's, it's, you know, that just showed that sometimes it is what it is. And I'm not in the mood to sign something. And it doesn't matter who it is. Unfortunately, it's not for me. So, uh, jog on. <laughs> when was the first time you seen Roy proper lose it? it? It would have been in the change room. And I, I can't remember. It was over us losing, most probably. Yeah. Hopefully, I don't think that one was to do with me at that point. But he lost it, and he, his his rant was strong. His rant was strong, and I'm I'm all one for a giggle, but I kept a straight face until afterwards, <laughs> and then uh, kept it moving. But um, now, when he got upset, you knew. So you, that alone, you didn't want to do anything wrong. But I got a few things wrong. Didn't you? You must remember the story of when he he took his wife out for his birthday. Oh he yeah. says she was looking amazing. She wanted to take her out. She had this amazing dress on, and all he could see when he was looking at her breast was your head. That's it. My pretty face on the shoulders <laughs> of his wife. I landed in there. I played such a bad game that I had managed to put myself in date night with very keen. And that <laughs> moment of fame. Moment of fame. Not just that one. There was a few others as well. <laughs> But that was the one that everyone could remember because they had to keep a straight face, trying not to laugh. Because to go from having a date night with your wife to looking up to seeing one of the players, not one of the most prettiest, on your wife's shoulders, that means he must have done something really special in that game. So, you know what I mean? I had to correct that or try and correct it in the best way I could. But um, nah, it was all character building. And I think at that point we were still building, so... You know, I mean, I just took it for what it was, you know, have to do better and, and, and conduct yourself properly and try and get it right. What was it with um, with Roy? I mean, obviously, we didn't, we did all right, but we were 12th, I think, in like December time yeah. um, in a game against Preston, funnily enough. Yeah. And I remember this quite well. I've got like a, a Wikipedia kind of memory for something. And you started mm. at left back. And I remember, I'll be honest, I was mm. like, what are you playing bloody iron at left back for? Yeah. And then I think Stevie Caldwell got injured. And all of a sudden you move into the middle alongside Johnny Evans yeah. and the season changes. So I suppose double-edged question, like how good was Johnny Evans for the defence and you as a whole? And what was it that Roy Keane did 
that made us go on like a run from just mid-table average, keeping our heads above water to winning the league? Um, I think it was it was all building up to that. I'm not saying like obviously that game, but <clears throat> the the way it went, he was putting the puzzle together. So you could see the plays he was bringing in and stuff, trying to get it right. And just obviously people needed time to mould and... I think at that at that point it was like he knew I could defend and I was strong, so he was just like just he just said Nugsy go send off. There wasn't there wasn't a conversation tactics board do this do that. It was literally go and play in the middle. I was like here we go, but I didn't I didn't think I didn't think like that. I was just thinking now nah, just and get this job done. And like I think it was um, for them playing up front was David Nugent. David Nugent and I was thinking I'm gonna shut his noise up for sure because everyone's <laughs> hyping about it and I'm so I'm. I'm not having this guy there embarrassing myself. And that was it. It just clicked. Finally, the, the light switched on for me at centre-off. centre-off. <laughs> Mick McCarthy was looking, thinking, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I oh, told him. Yeah, I told him. <laughs> Why didn't he listen to me? And no. he did it for Roy as well. Yeah, he did, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like double anger for Double Mick. anger. But no, it just, it, just, it just clicked. And I think from there, I think that game, everyone just got it. And I think we... The foundation started from obviously being at the back. If we could just be solid, it just gives everyone else the confidence to do yeah. what they can obviously do. And Johnny was he was competent within himself. He's a very confident young lad. He didn't say didn't need to say much. It was all action with him. And for me, that was good enough. And we just clicked. Didn't didn't need too much conversation. It was just like just it was the right fit at the right yeah. time. And then we just grew within confidence and got and understood each other. And it just worked very very well. And him coming back as well a season later. I mean, with all due respect to Paul McShane, Paul McShane was Paul McShane. Yeah. Um, he wasn't Johnny Evans. Um, yeah. And then when he came back, our season changed again in the yeah. January. It felt like when they got your partnership back together. Because it certainly wasn't mm. Rodaprika that changed the season, put it that way. He <laughs> um, was just, you, you could see he was always destined to be. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think from working with him then, you just knew that the talent the natural talent that he had and the understanding of the game that he was just a very cultured footballer that he just understood it. I, I took little bits from him, he took little bits from me and we were just bouncing off each other and it was re- it was so easy for me to work with him because he just understood if, if I wasn't getting there he would always be there and it was vice versa. Who was the best character in the dressing room throughout your time at the club? <clears throat> best character... I feel like you're going to hit me with a random one like Timo Tiny or something like that. Nah, <laughs> I think the best characters in terms of, I would say Yorkie. Yorkie had big presence. Yorkie had a very big presence and always played with a smile on his face. Definitely, I think when he came in, that was another, it jumped another level as well because he, he's up right up there with Roy in terms of doing big things in, in, the, in for the top clubs. And uh, he, I think his work ethic, everything he did, it just for any youngster that was coming in at that time, if you just looked at him, you would be like, okay, this is definitely, I need to take something from him because what he was doing at that age as well was, it was frightening. Talking about characters in the dressing room, um, I interviewed Bardo <laughs> about February time. Great character, great bloke, love him. Yeah. But um, he got replaced um, mm. temporarily by a man the name of Pascal Chimbonda um, so 
I suppose ask a straightforward question and give me the best stories you can remember. What were your impressions of El Hadjif and, and Pascal when they came in? Oh, the, the, the geezers that came for a carnival that's never taken place in Sunderland. Ah, <laughs> nah, they, they were proper characters, them two. Proper characters. They added a lot of spice to the dressing room. <laughs> a lot. They were doofy. He's, there's never been anyone like him. I've never seen anything like him. He was just like everyone would turn up in their tracksuits, normal. Juvie looks like he's turned up from a night out, chains, hat. Like, lads are getting on to, like, wait, just taking the piss out of him. Like, where are you going? Like, what are you doing? He'd be like, you don't understand my style. Like, he had good confidence, to be fair. He was, his, his gear was awful, but his confidence was. He pulled that off. Yeah, yeah, it was the best. It was the best ever. And Pass, um, Chimbunda, he was, he was, more he was more reserved but he was still a cannon he was they just bounced off each other he had the high and then the low and they just bounced off each other i remember coming into the training ground and there's loads of parking spaces you can't struggle to find somewhere to park in the training ground what does this skeezer do he drives a escalade white escalade big 24 inch rim and just parks it double on the double yellow line on the part on the grass part on the curb in the bang in the middle Everyone's asking, like, Who's, whose car is that? You say, it's mine. Yeah, yeah, you're going to move that. No. <laughs> there you go. That's, that sums him up, man. To be fair, you'd go out in Newcastle, you did exactly the same. Just park his car on the curb. Just not a care in the world. But all that said, with him being obviously such a big character, he was actually a like, very good trainer. Actually, yeah. very good footballer. Like, his work ethic was good. That's who's getting his braids done. Oh, that Pascal, yeah. no, Pascal was not a good trainer. Oh, right. Good on the pitch. Yeah. Jufi was, Jufi was a good trainer. Worked well. Pascal was, yeah, bad. With Jufi, yeah. there's a rumour, and we spoke about it last night, so I know the answer to this, but didn't he try to stab Anton Ferdinand with a butter knife? Yeah, it was a poor attempt at stabbing someone if you're going to try and go down the history in terms of committing a crime in front of loads of people <laughs> with a butter knife. But yeah, he, he got excited. You know, I mean, the, the adrenaline got to him, and he put back on his snapback and tried to get a bit angry. What he put his hat on before he did nah, it? I'm just taking a piss out. Right, I yeah. did more flavour to the story. <laughs> that no. works for this kind of like it works for this kind of arena. You know, it's yeah. fine. No, but he he was feeling himself, and you know, I think he tried to make a statement, not to be messy, but we all knew that wasn't going to happen. But he he picked it up. He actually was walking around with it in his socks. <laughs> <laughs> I was just laughing. I was just laughing at him because it just it, that that just summed him up. Like you know, he's the nice guy. He's not. A, he he's, he can be annoying with his character, but if you if you let him off the hook a little bit, he was actually a very nice guy. But they just got rubbed up the wrong way. You know, he's he's a big character. He's played at big clubs, so he's got a lot to say for himself at the best of times. So yeah. that's where the transition ha happened, where he was talking. And he was talking a lot, and I think some of it was a bit, a lot of shit. Yeah. And Anton's just got that pipe down, and he was having none of it, and that's where it all flew. The butter knife came out. Yep, the butter knife. And, and he then, wasn't buttering, but he wasn't buttering Yeah, toast. there was no margarine, <laughs> there was no no flora about, exactly. He went for Anton, that was the butter, but Anton wasn't having having none of it. So he was like, oh, come on in, he was looking to, 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 to go at him. And then I think <laughs> he stepped in the way. Cleggy, Cleggy was fitness coach. Mike Clegg. Mike Clegg. Oh, I love Cleggy. Yeah, Cleggy. 
strong man as well. He sat in the famous seat. Is he sat in the famous seat as well, Clegg? Famous seat, yeah. Yeah, What a guy. Oh, what a guy, yeah. No, he got in the way and gave everyone strong arms. I think he gave Anton too much of a strong arm because Anton flew on the floor. But mind you, he did have these football boots on, so I mean, there wasn't enough grip. But he gave him a strong arm, told him to tuck in his core. Anton always reminded me of Jar Jar Binks. (laughs) (laughs) Just the way he ran. It was like. Oh, he's another. What a character. I'm never getting him on the podcast now, am I? Uh, (laughs) You you would. He loves a bit of banter, to be fair. You'd get him. You would get him. Good guy. There was there was one thing I have to ask you about, and there was a question outside of the what would you ask Nyron? Everyone's oh, can you get the ball past him? We all know the answer is no. Um, after that, the most famous question was there was a game against Portsmouth. So I don't know what happened. Some kind of ghost hit you, um, and you started rolling around on the floor doing flips. It was one of the most surreal moments I've ever seen. But what kind of ghost was it? What was happening to it's you? It's a big ghost because it takes a lot to push me over. It does. It does that's it? It was a very big ghost. And had words with him. I wasn't happy about it, but you know, sometimes you gotta embrace these things. Um, no, it was <laughs> it's one of the strangest things. I just lost my footing, and my legs ain't the biggest anyway. They gave way, and I just embraced the gravity pushing me <laughs> back to the floor. And I just went down and just you know, what I mean, just went with it. There's no point trying to fight it. I don't know what happened. I didn't get any type of <clears throat> notice about what was about to take place. It just happened, unfortunately, in the middle of a game, trying to get back to, to my half to defend. <laughs> but, you know, it's, as I said, I don't know. And you were playing right back that day. Yeah. Maybe it was just a shock of going back to right back. No, nah, I don't think it was. I think we was the actually having... I think we right was having, back. actually, it was, it was a good game and we were, yeah, we, we were doing well. I think we were winning 1-0. I think we're winning 1-0, yeah. And I, I, I think it was just one of those things where maybe the excitement, I mean, the adrenaline... <laughs> My legs went and everything else went after that. And that was it. I hit the deck. I just heard the crowd laugh and I just thought, let me just lie here and embrace that for a minute. Then get up <laughs> and get on with it. And that was that. Um, around that same sort of time, I've, I've skipped quite forward for the people listening. We're on a, a bit of a schedule. Um, but obviously Roy was a huge, huge character. Um, he really, For me, he's a fan. And I think as from the players I've spoken to, I've played under him, he was massive for Sunderland. And I really think he's the kind of person that we could do with now. He sets standards. And I think that's something that's been missing at Sunderland for a long time, which we've, we've discussed so previously. Um, but when Roy left, um, I think we lost seven and eight after beating Newcastle, something like that. But it was still yeah. a surprise that he left. Were you surprised as a player that he left and were you disappointed? Yeah, I was. I actually, I didn't see it coming. I knew there was frustration from everyone in terms of how we were performing. And uh, <clears throat> I just thought that it was very sudden. And off off the cuff, obviously, I wasn't paying attention to what's going on upstairs. That's not for me to do. So when it happened, I was surprised and disappointed because I thought we had a, a real good thing going, especially me and his relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, did. I had a lot of respect for the guy and admired him. Though we got on a lot of people's nerves, you know, but as a manager, you're not going to be favourites to everyone. But I don't think he minds not being friends with people, Roy. Exactly. Does he? Does he mind? Friends. Yeah. No, he doesn't <laughs> care. He, he he would actually say you ain't got to be friends to play football, which is, you know, what I mean, it's it's for example, you got to conduct yourself right and get on with it. But it was, a, I think, it was a massive loss, a massive loss, and I think Jesse's presence alone, his aura, and what he had done in football alone, set a standard for us without him even saying anything and obviously once he started saying, thing, saying things I think that the right things anyway 
that helped. And I think it, you got to remember as well, it was his his first job as well. So I think if he could hang hang around a bit more, it would have it would have helped massively, and it would have helped obviously in hindsight his career in terms of what he'd done in terms of building. But you know, things just happen. I guess that's football. We managed to sort of just get over the line with um, Ricky Sabreja. There was one particular moment, I think it's an urban myth, because we have had Danny in here as well, but um, I can't quite remember if you were playing. I think you were. Uh, we drew 1-1 with Newcastle and James's. Mm. Colicini tries to kick a ball out. A, a, a man called Michael Chopper bursts through one goal, and and I say in inverted commas, misses. Um, mm. He t- tells me he he didn't mean to miss. He was low on, low on confidence. But apparently there was words had in the dressing room following that. Is that accurate? Did did Michael get it, the shitty end of the stick and get a bit, um, of, a, a bit of jip? That game, I think that game I was on the bench, I didn't even play. I think because I played my last game, especially under Ricky Spurrier, I think I played Aston Villa and my hamstring popped after chasing, um, <clears throat> I think it was our chasing Ash, is it? Yeah, he Ashley plays Young. A, yeah, Ashley Young chasing that whippersnapper chasing him so I done my hamstring so that actual Newcastle game I didn't play I don't I think I was injured so in terms of what happened in the change room I missed all the pitter patter unfortunately yeah. I would have my webcam out for that one <laughs> but yeah I remember obviously chops missing and phew, it kind of is what it is after that really yeah because yeah. there's a there's a there's a common theme um like I asked him directly when we interviewed him he yeah. said no long confidence <laughs> mm. Kind of yeah. half believed him, but then yeah, or or, then, or a shit one, one of yeah, the two, yeah, 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 <laughs> one or the other, and it's uh, and the the rumours are I think Danny Collins had gone off him until but I asked Danny and he said no, but there, I, there was definitely something must have been said for him because like, he left the next day. I mean, yeah, I'd, uh, who who knows? But with Chops, he's a bit of a cannon as well. Yeah, Chopper, so it could have actually been anything. I get shot for saying this, but nice lad by all accounts. Uh, yeah, no, no, very. Nice he's a cannon. He is a he is shot straight out of a cannon. But he's a he's mag, a nice but thing. you know someone's got to be. Yeah, that's and it. Someone has to be. Someone has to be. But he was he was he was funny. But I take nothing away from me. He had the eye for goal. But you know sometimes it happens for you. Sometimes it don't. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think for you things changed following. Sorry, Sabrasia going in. Yeah. Um, someone who looked very similar to the 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 beach ball. Um, Steve Bruce came in. Uh, big and red. Um, now, there's, there's some some people who think Bruce did it right, and I, I like I like Bruce. Nothing to do with him being a Jordy. Couldn't care less where you're from as long as you do the job. Yeah. And I think he did well. I think it's it's more when he's left the the comments he's made after he's left about finishing tenth and some mm-hmm. fans are like, like they bugger off with that. Yeah. Um, but for you personally, I always felt like he never really rated you. Like, yeah. and I felt like he, he pretty much spelled it out by the fact he signed like three or four centre-offs. How was your relationship with Steve Bruce in comparison to someone like Roy Keane? Um, I would say it was, the, the relationship was fine, but, you know, obviously seeing your actions, you know what I mean? You could can get on with someone fine, which he, he's, he's been a manager for and he's done good jobs everywhere. So in terms of managing the masses, it wasn't it wasn't bad. It was no means like, oh, he's just, I hated the guy or something like that. It was just, obviously the writing was kind of on the wall. It wasn't really competition for places that was more like you're, you're you're being replaced but if you can try and fight it then by all means and to be fair he gave me a fair crack at the whip I can't I can't say he didn't but 
I think in his hearts of hearts, he knew he had different plans. So, you know, it just is what it is in football sometimes. I see, I've seen it happen to other people and managers come in, they've got their own plans. And it's just how they obviously deal with the people that they want to get out. And he wasn't that bad, but I think I think it could have been dealt with better. But I'm not going to cry about it. It is football. People have been dealt with a lot harshly than I have. But it just is what it is. You played under Lee Clark as well. Another yeah. good good player for us, but uh, he's not he not very good at t-shirts. Um, how how does he compare to other managers you've played under? Uh, yeah, he's not up there for me. Um, you know, he did. He tried his best. He tried his best. To be fair, I would say like it was at Blackpool, and that was just for any manager trying to manage yeah. at that club at that point. I'm gonna take you out. You're probably gonna you're gonna need a drink, and he loved a drink, <laughs> so <laughs> it kind of fell in 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 place. But yeah, no, it didn't it didn't really go down well. My experience there was just an experience. Let's call it that. With um, I've got two more for you because I know yeah. we're on a bit of a schedule here. But yeah. you actually left under Martin O'Neill, um, as actually when you left, yeah. funnily enough. And I think you know, to be fair, the, the move with Steve Bruce coming in, it, it felt like it kind of signaled the end for you because of the people he was bringing in. But yeah. because you left under Martin O'Neill, there was a particular player, Matt Kilgallen, who kind of was left in the cold as well. And yeah. when Martin O'Neill came in, it, it sort of changed for for Matt. Yeah. But when Martin O'Neill came in, I know you're out on loan, but did he ever like speak to you and say, look, you've got a chance? Or was it a case of like, I think it's the end of the road from both ends? Yeah, I think, yeah, it was the end of the road from both ends. Like I think once he came in, the conversation had been had by not by him or anyone at the club really but just by individuals saying do you reckon you know do you think you could go back but for me I knew in my head that I, I was pretty much done I think that you know it I had moved on in my head mentally and I think where he was going he had a lot of players and he probably had his own ideas so to come in and try and revamp that I thought for me that was probably a harder task than anything yeah, as yeah. much as as much as I didn't want to leave but once <coughs> I got my head around it uh, you know I'd Really made my mind up, like okay, it's time for a change and move on and and push on with your career. So you'd been out on loan a fair amount at that yeah, point, hadn't you? Yeah, exactly. And I had an experience at Sheffield United that changed everything, unfortunately. So that was that was a hard season when um, you got relegated. Relegated, Sheffield, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sheffield United, yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a very bad season, especially on a personal term. Didn't get the best out of me there, so it was more like right, start with back to the drawing board that. That then that didn't help my career one bit. That little blip there, but you know you live and you learn and you you get through it. So Watford came along, and um, never looked back. It was a good choice, obviously close closer to home as well, and it just all made sense. So I've got four minutes and one question left. Yeah, here, no right. Um, I normally start with this question, so I'm gonna I'm gonna end on it for one. See how it goes, and the. The listeners will tell me if I've messed it up. Um, your Sunderland five-a-side team. <laughs> you can have okay. a goalkeeper, a defender, two midfielders, and one striker. One striker. Okay, so goalkeeper, I'll go for Craig Gordon. Defenders, obviously myself. Nyron, yeah. I'll go with... I could go with a bit... Uh, Go defenders, me and Johnny. I think that's quite just solid. That you, there's a, there's a bit of everything there. Midfielders, Julio. Oh, Oversteed. Oh, I don't oh, know. Steed. I forgot about Quagmire. 
quagmire. Quagmire. Right, explain that. Oh, the quagmire. <laughs> he's quiet. You wouldn't hear a word from Steed at training, but on a night out. <laughs> <laughs> 40 fags. Not 40 fags. Just the big man's got a lot to say. He's a different man with a drink down him. Put it that way. He's a different man now. But so when top, we get him top, in the hot seat, he needs uh, to have a few wines and a few few yeah, whiskeys beforehand. Fella, Thanks top, for the top, top head guy. Up. Yeah, yeah, top guy. But I would say, yes. Ooh, that is a, you've thrown an absolute spanner in the woodworks there. Yeah. You're having it. Because I was expecting Steed. Yeah, actually. Yeah, actually. Let me flip that. I do love Julio, but Steed, the energy bunny. In a fiver side? Yeah. Yeah, and that was his thing as well. He was an animal in that. And up front, uh, not everyone will hate me for putting him in this. Yeah, you can't put Ben in. I'm not letting that. can't put Ben in there. That's cold. And he's just the goal scorer of all goal scorers. Big Um, Kenman. Yeah, I have to put Big Jonesy up there and that's it. Ain't really got his his chest in a five-a-side, but there you go. I was going for an out-and-out goal scorer but chops and nah we'll just stick with the, the big ruster yeah yeah go Kenman go Kenman good yeah. well that was lovely Nairon how was it for you lovely mate good smooth amazing yeah. and you did it on a minimal hangover minimal yeah I'm not I'm not hungover a bit croaky <clears throat> Guinness makes you that way sometimes but you were putting those Guinnesses away last yeah, night yeah easy they were going down like butter. yeah yeah I was uh, a bit worried this morning nah 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 <laughs> I actually did set my alarm that did me no favours because it didn't go off but oh. <laughs> there you go, that's why. But no, I'm okay. Perfect. I'm okay. Well, thanks for doing the, the no, Rug Report podcast and no coming worries. in the hot seat, mate. You're welcome. Appreciate it. No worries. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.